Our scripture reading today is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 19. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, in signalness of heart as you obey Christ, not only while being watched and in order to please them, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Render service with enthusiasm as to the Lord and not to men and women, knowing that whatever good we do, we will receive the same again from the Lord, whether we are slaves or free. And masters, do the same to them. Stop threatening them, for you know that both of you have the same master in heaven, and with him there is no partiality. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. There's so much for us uh, in this world that uh, we have to live by, live around. Uh, there are so many evils, but there's so many great things too, gracious things. I'd like to uh, start off with a prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you would be with me this day. Lord, give me strength. Help my mind and body to accomplish your will, Lord, and that it will be your word and not my own that are said this day. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, Ephesians 6 uh, gives us a little bit of a, a guideline um, that we can go by. Because if we're going to win the battle, we must know our enemy possesses the power to hold over us. But with God, nothing can happen to us. We must understand that Satan is also a vanquished foe, and we have to fully protect ourselves. And that's what this um, actually told us by the armor of God, to protect ourselves. It comes as a shock to the new and uninformed believer that the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. Maturity in Christ brings battles. 
this is actually a good sign because it was once said that Satan never kicks a dead horse. Well, the reason is, is because he already has that horse. So he knows that he doesn't have to do anything more to it. And that's what sin does to us. If he accomplishes to win us over through sin, then there's nothing more for him to do. If we're going to win the battle, we must know the enemy that possesses this power. We must understand that Satan, that Satan is a vanquished foe, and we have the equipment to fully protect ourselves. Today and tomorrow, we will learn the pieces of spiritual armor that God provides us. In verse 10, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might, and put on the whole armor of God, that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This is so important for us to understand, because he comes from all different directions. And especially in the world that we have today, we see so many things going on in the world that are, uh, we just can't even really comprehend most of it because of what's going on. In verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that we may be able to withstand the evil in that day. And having done all, we need to stand firm. Standing, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, we have put on the readiness given, given us by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, we take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish, extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And we take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the sword of God, by praying all times that in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end we must keep alert, with all perseverance, making supplications for all, all around us. This is a spiritual battle. And in order to stand in that battle, Believers need every piece of God's armor. The order of the pieces listed in these verses is likely the order in which a soldier would put them on. We started at the belt of truth. That holds everything together. Then we cover the vital part. Um, excuse me. The vital part of our body with the breastplate of righteousness and then made ourselves ready with the shoes of the gospel to protect against and extinguish the fiery arrows from the enemy, we take up the shield of faith. And now to complete our armor, we put on the helmet of salvation and take up the sword of the Spirit. The final item is in the Christian's defense of armor. That's the helmet of salvation. It's Putting this on, that could help us to merely mean that we are putting on our salvation. In 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 5, verse 8, Paul talks about putting on the hope of salvation as a helmet, which is what I think he was also projecting here to all of us, that salvation isn't something that you can take off, or I'm sorry, isn't something that you can take on and off at your own whim. It's the very identity of who you are in Christ. It's the knowledge and understanding of our salvation, that hope that will see us through the trials and the temptations and has ground us in our faith. I think we have a pretty clear understanding that our salvation is received by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Any religious system that replaces faith with works is unbiblical and it leads people to false demonic teachings. Believe in salvation as it is gained through faith or by faith, plus the works. And Christ plus our own righteousness. It is the same general pattern for every other false religion and teaching. They all demand that the person obtain a higher spiritual realm through its own merit, even to the point that they will claim that you can become a god. We have been crucified with Christ, as it says in Galatians 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ saved us, not because of works that are done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of the regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The world says that you find true peace, true joy, and true satisfaction by something other than God. What we must first understand is this is the voice of Satan. Will you believe God and trust God, or will you believe the lies of the enemy and trust something other than yourself? If you choose to trust in something other than God, you are sinning. Biblically speaking, there are three parts of your salvation. Past, present, and future. We are saved from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the presence of sin through Jesus Christ. All three of those aspects of sin are defeated. The penalty of sin speaks to our past, and we are saved from that penalty through eternal death and punishment. The penalty of sin speaks to our past sin. And we are saved from the penalty that sin inflicts upon us. From Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. I'll find it sooner or later. Um, Secondly, we are saved from the power of sin Every time you are in the midst of temptation, Satan is doing his best to convince you to submit to that temptation. 
Satan's greatest lie is that we cannot overcome sin, and sometimes lies come from other Christians. They will say things like, it's okay, we all sin. Even though you are saved, you still have that old sinful nature inside of us. Third, Jesus saves us from the presence of sin. That future promise that we will one day live apart from the sin and temptation to sin. That's our future glorification. Hebrews 1.14 says that we are the heirs of salvation. And it is this that we are to continually wear upon our head a helmet to protect us from the enemy and as an anchor for our souls. The helmet of salvation protects you from any fatal blow from the enemy. And it is an assurance that war for your eternity is won. You can face the enemy with confidence that nothing he throws at you can catch you, can snatch you out of the Savior's hand. You've been equipped to win and to overcome. From John 10, 28 states, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Jesus tells us there is never a reason we should lose heart. But we are to keep our focus affixed assuredly on the eternal and with the helmet of salvation, that steadfast assurance, we are given our only offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I want you to recognize first that Paul makes clear that he makes what he means by the sword of the Spirit. It is the word of God. He's not referring to some people who are running around, yelling or rolling on the ground. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Scripture. There are two primary Greek words that describe Scripture, which is translated as word in the New Testament. The first refers principally to the totally inspired word of God and to Jesus. Jesus, who is the living word. The Christian life is no different. We are given this word to defeat every foe, every temptation, every attack. That is why we only need one weapon. We only need the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Old Testament writers referred to the, what they wrote as the Word of God about 3,800 times. In the New, New Testament, writers refer to the Old Testament as the Word of God about 320 times. And they refer to the Old Testament about 1,000 times. The New Testament writers also claim that they are writing for God that both the old and new are his words. That is why we must be biblically literate, not just to live a simple life or a defeated life, but to know the truths of God, so much so that we are living daily, victoriously and powerfully over the attacks of this world system that we live in. It is right here that our salvation begins and it will see you through to the gate of glory.
from John 5:24 states, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. And from John 6:63, it states, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are the spirit and life. These words are written so that we may believe in Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. We also read from Second or First Thessalonians 2.13 that we'd like to thank God constantly for this as well, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accept it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. We, I ask you, will you come to him today? It's not a time for us to live by convenience or by convictions. We need to live our lives as the word teaches us. We all tend to forget or be led astray by today's world. We look to our world today, people are flooding into our country. They're giving all that they have to get here. Why do you think that is? Well, let's take a look at the rest of the world. Starvation, suppression, poverty, destruction, civil war, now war itself. So where do we go from here? We need to continue to keep ourselves in the word. Learn from those, that message there in front of us. We need to constantly learn and spread that word to others, others that do not know. Each generation needs to have a godly person in their lives to help deliver God's influence. We can't do it ourselves. Only God can change someone's heart. But for us, we can help through God to help others. We need to pray for God and his will to show us the way and trust in him. I'd like to end in prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come again asking, Lord, for your guidance. Through your word, Lord, through your will. We know, Lord, that there are many that do not know you. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to uh, open their minds and their hearts to you. Lord, lead someone to us this week that we may be able to reach out and guide them to you, Lord. We pray for all those who are here today and those that could not be, Lord. We, we ask that you would protect them. And Lord, we ask all these things this day in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.